The 14th century English mystic Julian of Norwich has been talked about by people in many different ways, but first and foremost, she's the author of an extraordinary text, The Revelations, which is the earliest known text authored by a woman in English. Personally, she has been a friend and companion in my Christian life for over 30 years. I'm the Reverend David Simmons, Episcopal priest and oblate in the Order of Julian of Norwich. Thank you for joining me as we read and pray through the works of this extraordinary woman of faith and explore what she has to teach us about God's love. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Chapter 16 of Love Was His Meaning. As we get started this morning, let's do our daily office together. Uh, the link for that is found in the description, either on the live stream or on the podcast. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Let's say together Psalm 84. How dear to me is your dwelling, O Lord of hosts! My soul has a desire and longing for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh rejoice in the living God. The sparrow has found her a house, and the swallow a nest where she may lay her young. By the side of your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are they who dwell in your house. They will always be praising you. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrim's way. Those who go through the desolate valley will find it a place of springs, for the early rains have covered it with pools of water. They will climb from height to height, and the God of gods will reveal himself in Zion. Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Hearken, O God of Jacob. Behold our defender, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. For one day in your courts is better than a thousand in my own room, and to stand at the threshold of the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is both sun and shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will the Lord withhold from those who walk with integrity. O Lord of hosts, happy are they who put their trust in you. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let us say together a prayer of Julian. God of your goodness, give me yourself, for you are enough to me, and I can ask nothing that is less that can be full honor to you. And if I ask anything that is less, I shall always be in want, for only in you have I all. Amen. Well, we're ready to go into chapter 16 uh, of the Revelations at this point. Uh, chapters 16 through 21 um, are a, a very graphic re um, um, vision of the Lord's uh, dying. So um, for those of you who uh, there, there might be a, an issue for this, um, it's something that just make sure you're in the right mindset before you um, uh, do it. Uh, or, you know, you, you could skip past it, although I wouldn't suggest that. Um, part of the, the issue of uh, sometimes with, our, with modern Christianity is that we, we um, try not to dwell on the negative stuff. But I think it's really important for us to spend a little bit of time uh, in the crucifixion and in the Lord's suffering before we get to the joy that Julian turns to, because uh, you know it's it's a very sudden turning in chapter twenty-one of turning from the sorrow into the joy. But the joy can't be nearly as complete if we haven't walked that walk with her. It's the same uh, reason why we have Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday and Holy Saturday services in addition to Easter. Um, the entirety of the story uh, has to be. Uh, 
together for the entire thing to work out. But nevertheless, uh, some of this stuff is 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 graphic and strange, especially, you know, this first chapter is, is a taste of, of just how kind of unusual uh, Julian's visions of the um, of the crucifixion are. After this, Christ showed a portion of his passion near his death. I saw his sweet face, and it was dry and bloodless with pale dying and deathly ashen, and after that more pale, grievous, distressing, and then turned more lifeless into blue, and after that more dark blue, as the flesh changed into more profound death. His suffering revealed itself to me, and most distinctly in his blessed face, and especially in his lips, where I saw these four colors, though before those lips were fresh, ruddy, and pleasant to my sight. This was a sorrowful change, to see this profound dying, and also the nose was shriveled together and dried, and as I saw it, and the sweet body became brown and black, all changed from the fair, lifelike color of himself into dry, dying. Because at the time that our Lord and blessed Savior died upon the rood, there was a dry, sharp wind, and wondrous cold as I see it, and by the time all the precious blood was bled out of the sweet body that could pass from it, yet there remained a moisture in the sweet flesh of Christ as it was shown. Bloodlessness and painful drying within, and the blowing of wind and cold coming from without, met together in the sweet body of Christ, and these four, two within and two without, dried the flesh of Christ over the course of time. And though this pain was bitter and sharp, it was most long-lasting, as I saw it, and it painfully dried up all the living elements of Christ's flesh. Thus I saw the sweet flesh die, apparently part after part, drying with awesome pains, and as long as any element had life in Christ's flesh, as long he suffered pain. This long torment seemed to me as if he had been seven nights before, lifeless, dying at the point of passing away, suffering the last pain. And where I say it seemed to me as if he had been seven nights lifeless, it means that his sweet body was so discolored, as dry, as shriveled, as death-like, and as piteous, as though he had been seven nights lifeless, constantly dying. And it seemed to me that the drying of Christ's flesh was the worst pain and the last of his passion. So a few comments here. Uh, the first, uh, just uh, to start this off, she says, and after this Christ showed a portion of his passion and so we're, we're she's talking about bodily sight at this point so she's having an actual vision uh with her eyes uh, at this point as opposed to a spiritual intuition or something like that she's saying this is this is an actual vision and i think the first thing to say is uh something that john julian notes is we're reminded that julian's visions are not limited to the biblical version because this vision especially of christ's body drying is not anywhere in the Gospels. We just don't see those there. Um, and one thing we have to be careful with is when we're, we're dealing with something like a visionary material, we, we can't try to apply it into kind of modern historical critical ideas of what history should look like. Um, just because the biblical accounts don't say that all this, this drying occurred doesn't mean that it's not a valid... Um, interpretation of 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 what's going on there in fact you know most people before the idea of modern history would say sometimes the the things that are not historical that are not factually historically true are really important for the for for meditation and and i think that's 
probably how Julian would have saw it. She, she probably would have said, I know it's not in the biblical account, but this is what I saw. You know, and she just presents it for us and then interprets its meaning, uh, not worrying about whether um, what she saw actually happened or not. That's a modern obsession with, with, with this kind of thing. Um, we have all these different color changes, uh, and that seems kind of weird to us, but that's actually very common. Uh, we have to remember that this kind of vision um, is really, really common in the Middle Ages. Uh, we have all sorts of accounts of, of Christ's passion and vi people having visions of Christ's passion. In fact, it's what's unusual about Julian is that she spends so little time of her text on it, um, and she spends more time on, on the joy that happens after these visions. Uh, but uh, still, as a medieval mystic, uh, this is, it would be almost impossible for her to pass over uh, this this section. So these four four without and two within. So the painful drying within and the bloodlessness and the blowing of wind and the cold coming from without met together in the sweet body of Christ and they dry the flesh of Christ over the course of time. John Julian notes. This drying of Christ's body seems almost an obsession with her. I'd say it's not just almost. It, it is. It, this seems to be something that she's really, really talking about. Um, wh why does she have this? It could be that um, she's heading towards her next chapter, which is Christ's um, uh, last word of, word of, I am thirsty. You know, if he's thirsty, he must be dried out. You know, it could, there's, there's something going on there. But the other thing that I think is really important to think about is if we think back to chapter 1 and chapter 4, um, we have these other visions of Christ's head bleeding. And, you know, those those visions of Christ's head bleeding are with this lively red, you know, turns into to herring scales, um, this lively red blood that is incredibly life-giving, that flows everywhere, you know, it, it, like, like I said back then, that, that almost gives me like the visions of the shining because that's not how we think about blood these days. But, but the, the idea of in those visions was there's just so much of it. And the medieval idea of Christ continuing to bleed in heaven and that blood having a salvific effect, uh, you know, flowing from heaven, dropping down onto earth, uh, washing people in the blood, um, and, and that life being given by Christ's continual bleeding. Well, now we've gotten to the point at the where the the actual crucifixion happens, where there's none left. So, whereas uh, Julian has this almost joyful experience of, of of seeing the blood of Christ earlier, now it's turned to it's gone. You know this this thing that is that that is she's seen it that is a thing that is washing and, sa and saving the world constantly is now suddenly removed from her sight and she's seeing the exact opposite of it the 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 complete bereftness of Jesus with any life with any of that salvific power uh, all drained out of him uh, and so that's that's in some ways from a theological standpoint that's what's going on here is is she's pointing out the incredible amount of humanity in the crucifixion. She's pointing out the, um, the amount of, of um, change that that is from being the God who can provide to the God who has everything taken away temporarily. As we see in chapter 21, this switches immediately. But temporarily, um, the, the passing through state is this of this extreme dryness. And it seems to her as if it had been seven nights. And she's very careful to point out, it's not that the vision said it was seven nights. It's that 
as if uh, he had been hanging on the cross for seven days. It's there. It's that much drying. It's that much suffering. The 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 body looks like that to her, and it's important to point out um, that that's also the night number of nights of Julian's illness that she has seven nights. So there's this 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 connection between what's happening to her and uh, on on this on her bed with the illness and what's happening to Christ on the cross. And that's also really important is to make that connection. So first of all is that that contrast between the the living blood and the dryness of the body as she sees it. And the second is the the commonality between her and Christ that she meets in this vision of him as if he had he had been dying for seven days. And it seemed to her that the drying of Christ's flesh was the worst pain and the last of his passion. So it you know this this is a, a unique vision of Julian of um of of Christ's passion. Um but she says it seems to her that it's the worst pain. And once again back to that idea of the thing that is the most incredible about Jesus and, and the thing that covers the world with his mercy is withdrawn, is taken away. And that is the, the worst thing, the worst thing of Jesus's passion. And next week we will go into uh, another vision um, where it talking about bringing to the mind the words of Christ, I thirst. Let's continue with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day He rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I ask your prayers for those on our parish prayer list, and I bid your prayers either silently or aloud. Let us pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Most holy Lord, the ground of our beseeching, who through your servant St. Julian revealed the wonder of your love, grant that as we are created in your nature and restored by your grace, our wills may be so made one with yours that we may come to see you face to face and gaze on you forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meeting. Uh, we'll pick this up again with chapter 17 next time we're together. Until then, take care of yourselves and God bless. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning today. 
This podcast is generally available twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The text of Julian's Revelations used in this podcast is The Complete Julian by Father John Julian Swanson OJN and is used by permission of the Order of Julian of Norwich. The theme music is Julian of Norwich by Bombadil and is used under license.